Jesus says to us this morning, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger, and whoever believes in me will not thirst. As we probably know, in John's gospel, Jesus has a number of these I am statements. He says, I am the light, I am the way, I am the gate, I am the shepherd, I am the resurrection. And like all of these I am statements, this metaphor, I am the bread of life, it it reveals something so simple and yet so striking about Jesus. And it's the idea that Christ comes into this world for us to feed on. He comes into our presence in order to nourish us. Unlike the devil, who is described as a roaring lion seeking those he might devour, Christ comes not to devour, but to be devoured. And he makes the promise in the passage that we just heard that anyone who eats this bread will live forever, that they will have life and they will have it abundantly. As I was reading this, the passage this week, uh, meditating on it as I prepared for this sermon, uh, I was thinking about this claim that Jesus makes. He's the bread of life, and those who come to him will not hunger. And so I started to think about that word hunger in the, in the theme of hunger in the Scriptures. All of us, know what it's like to be hungry. Some of us might be hungry right now. We we know that gnawing feeling in the pit of our stomach when we go without food. We also know uh, that there's not just physical hunger, but we also have spiritual hungers. We know that gnawing pain in the heart of our soul, that hunger that we have for God. Now, in the beginning of the Scriptures, we encounter these hungers. We encounter them in Adam and Eve, in that early story of Genesis. We see that they have these hungers just like us, but in the beginning what we see is that God met these hungers. We're told that God walked with them in the garden. Now, whatever that exactly means, it does speak to a level of intimacy between them and God. When I get home at night, my wife, Trisha, and I, we often walk together. And it's a time that we connect. We talk about the day. There's this intimacy between us. We had that with God. So God met that hunger, that spiritual hunger. But he also met their physical hunger. Uh, In Genesis 1, we're told this quite clearly. God tells Adam uh, that this world is given to him as food. In fact, the second command he gives to Adam is the command to eat. He says, all of this, I've given it to you as food for you to enjoy. It's gift to satisfy your physical hunger. So both these hungers were met in the beginning. But of course, we know that the story goes on. And After this, there's the story of their fall away from God. And it's interesting, that story also involves hunger. It involves food. We're told that Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit. And when they 
eat the fruit. This is not some story about them breaking an arbitrary rule that God set and then God saying, well, you disobeyed, you're in trouble now. No, the, the real tragedy of that act, of that, that sin, of eating that fruit, is that Adam and Eve, they took food apart from God. They tried to satisfy their hunger apart from God. The fruit of that tree, whatever else it may signify, it was unlike every other fruit in the garden because it was not given from God as a gift. You see, they saw the world in that moment as having life in itself, and they thought that they could take it, take this fruit, and be satisfied, have their hunger satisfied, and stand independent from God. And this, of course, is what sin truly is. Sin is to enjoy whatever life offers and not to see it as a window through which God shows himself. Sin is to take the world apart from God. You see, that's our problem. The world was never meant to satisfy our deepest hungers. God was meant to do this, our relationship with Him. But we, of course, looked elsewhere to satisfy our hunger. And slowly, we lost the ability to find our way back to Him. Jesus, in the chapter we just read from, as we've said, he talks about hunger. And he talks about how often we try to fill this hunger with things that don't last, the things that don't sustain us. If you've been here for the past few Sundays, you probably remember that we've been in John chapter 6 for a number of Sundays now. And I think it was two or three weeks ago, we, we started chapter 6 by hearing the story of the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. That's how this all began and led into the discourse that we heard today. Jesus, he takes five loaves, two fish. He feeds this huge crowd. He satisfies their hunger. And then he slips away. But the crowd, they want to they find Jesus. So they, they seek him out. And eventually they do discover where he is. And when they find them, find him, Jesus says to the crowd, I know what you're seeking. You're seeking to be fed again. You're hungry again. You want more bread. You want more fish. His exact words are this. You seek me because you ate your fill of the loaves. And then he says this, and this is right before our passage today. He says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Don't work for the food that perishes. Work for the food that brings life, real life, eternal life, the food that I can give you. I think so often we're like these, this crowd. I'm, I'm like the crowd. We have our goals. We have our desires these things that we think are going to satisfy our hunger. And Jesus says to us this morning, be very sure that what you're working for, be very sure that it lasts, that it doesn't perish. It's a very familiar theme in the gospel. It seems to always be on Christ's mind. And we've, we've heard this probably hundreds of times. 
He says, don't worry about what you are to eat or what you are to wear. Don't make for yourself the goal to gather up the treasures of this world where moth, the moths and the rust and the thieves will take it away. It's not that it's necessarily evil. It just won't last. It will be exhausted. And you will find yourselves empty again. In your soul, it will become dead to you. No work for that which will last. Work for the food that does not perish. The food that I bring. And then, it's at this point that we get to our passage. Where Jesus makes this striking claim. He says, I am that bread. He says, I am the bread that originates in heaven. I am nourishment that comes not from this world, not from your own subjectivity or or personal aspirations. No, I am the bread from heaven. Now, when he says this, and and we heard this today in our passage, there are some critics in the crowd, and they pop up and they say, wait a second. We know that this is Joseph and Mary's son. They're not, they're not from heaven. What is he claiming? But Jesus, in response, he continues to assert his heavenly origin. And then he gives this rather strange and cryptic remark or response to them. He says this. He says, no one can come to me unless they are led by my Father. He says, no one can learn from me except by being taught by the Father. And lastly, no one can see me except by revelation of the Father. Kind of of cryptic. So what does that mean? And why does he say it here? How does this fit into this whole discourse about food and hunger? Well, you see, the reason why these critics, that they don't understand who he is, the reason they can't see him as the bread of heaven, is that they don't have a relationship with God. If they would have known God, then when they would have seen Jesus, they would have recognized that he reflected the character of God. They would have seen, oh yeah, that, this is what God looks like. This is how God acts. This is how God talks. And so because they weren't in relationship with God, they could not recognize or believe in him when he came. You see, the truth of Christ, the truth of the love of God that comes to us in Christ, it's not a fact out there that you must analyze and test in order to know it so that it becomes an an intellectual problem. No, the truth of Christ becomes known to us when we open ourselves to it, when we yield or surrender to Him. This is not primarily an intellectual problem. It's a heart problem. You may have seen the, uh, the movie The Soloist. It came out in 2009. Uh, stars Jamie Foxx and Robert Downey Jr. But it's based on a true story. It has two main characters. You have Steve and Nathaniel. Steve is a reporter for the LA Times. And Nathaniel is homeless. He's mentally ill. And he's a dropout from the Juilliard School of Music. Now, Nathaniel is this incredibly gifted musician. He loves music, especially Beethoven. 
And in the story, as Steve and Nathaniel become friends, at one point, Steve invites Nathaniel to hear the L.A. Symphony. They're going to play Beethoven's Third. But Nathaniel says, well, I, I don't like crowds. I don't, I don't do well in crowds. And so Steve says, well, let me see if I can get us in to their last rehearsal. So you see them there, the two of them. They're sitting in this huge auditorium, and the music begins. And as the music begins to play, it is, it is clear that Nathaniel is lost in wonder. And at one point, Nathaniel turns to Steve and he says, he's here. And Steve says, who? Who's here? And Nathaniel says, Beethoven. He's in the room. He's here. Afterwards, there's a scene with Steve sitting with his ex-wife and he's recounting this experience. And he says, you cannot believe what it was like sitting next to him. I mean, I knew we were in the same room. We were listening to the same music, but my God, he was living it. I was there, and I thought, there is something higher. There's something higher, and he is in it, and I'm a stranger to it. Steve says, I have never loved anything like he loved that music. He was completely surrendered to it. So how do we surrender to Jesus so that we might experience Him, might believe in Him in the way He calls us to? Well, I think the key and the metaphor today of the bread of life points to this. The way we do this, the way we surrender to Christ is by feeding on Him, feeding on Him. That's the power of this metaphor. Our hungers, as, as we know, they are, they are so deep. We are bundles of seemingly insatiable needs rushing here and there in this vain attempt to assuage our emptiness. And our culture, it's a, it's a supermarket of desire. But to follow Jesus and to know Him is to seek to fill your hunger with Him. To truly, I mean truly seek to be sustained by Him. You know, and I wish there was a set of instructions I could give you right now and say, well, you do these five things. This is the method. This is the technique for trying to sustain yourself on the love of God in Christ. But you see, ultimately, this is not some method that we master because ultimately, it's not our work. It's God who feeds us. For us, it's a matter of the posture of our heart. It's taking your hunger and seeking to be nourished by the love of God we meet in Christ. And when you do this, what you find is that you step into a whole new economy of life and a spiritual well-being. And your desires and, and satisfactions, they are met. But they're met in ways that are independent of your circumstances and from worldly expectations. And I think there is, as we think about this, I think there is a part of this that is uncomfortable with this. I mean, there's a part of us that like our gods to be high and lifted up, distant, exclusively in heaven. We want religion to be something spiritual rather than something that is uncomfortably incarnational. Yet here we are today with God 
in the flesh saying to us, feed on me. Feed on me. And so the questions we must ask today are this. Can it be, can it really be that our fulfillment stands before us in the presence of this crucified, resurrected Jew? Can it be that many of our desires are in the eternal scheme of things pointless? Might it be true that He is the bread we need, even though He is rarely the bread we seek? Is it true that God has come to us like manna that has miraculously dropped into our wilderness? Jesus says to us this morning, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger, and whoever believes in me will not thirst. And so together this morning, let us take this bread. Amen.